Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Awesome. I'm so glad to see y'all. I'm so glad to be back in America. We were on a mission trip last week, and when we got back, um, JT started playing God Bless America, and everybody was looking at us crazy, but we're just so glad to be back. For those of you who are watching us online or in our video venue, welcome. We are so glad you are with us. Can we give it up for those who are watching us via technology? So glad y'all are here. And uh, I'm a little excited, y'all. This is my second year here for Thanksgiving, so I didn't do it right last time. Um, I'm going to have a sign-up sheet for those who want to make me a plate. It'll be right out there, so just sign up and volunteer. No, I'm kidding. But I'm excited about today. We're going to jump right in. Um, Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. We'll be reading a few verses of scripture today, verses 1 through 11 and with Thanksgiving coming up, um, you know, it's a happy time, but I also kind of want to address the elephant in the room because for some of us, Thanksgiving means we got to see that uncle we really don't like. Yeah, some of y'all sitting next to that uncle today. I get it. It's all right. But, um, and, and we got to deal with the tension of family fights. And I just want to talk about how we navigate that today. And I think this text does a good job of giving us some tools and resources to work through that. So Genesis chapter 16, starting at the first verse. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. She messed up. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Y'all saw that? It was her idea first, and now, okay. All right. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram Abram said to Sarai, this ain't my fault. I mean, he said, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt dealt harshly with her and she fled from her she being Hagar the angel of the Lord found her her being Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness the wilderness on the way to Shur and he said Hagar servant of Sarai where have you come from and where are you going she said I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai the angel of the Lord said to her return to your mistress and submit to her 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. I want to talk about family fights for a few minutes. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Have your way in our midst. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, as the Lord impressed this thought on me, I was reflecting on probably the biggest family fight that I have ever had. And um, it was when I was in second grade. I was in second grade and my sister was in first grade. Don't laugh. It's for real. All right. And so we were in second grade and uh, we were going to school. And one day after school, we would walk to our grandmother's house after leaving school. And one day my sister was crying and I was like, what's wrong with you? What's happening? Why are you upset? And she said, this boy keeps on bothering me and throwing rocks at me after school when we're dismissed. And, you know, uh, the big brother in me starts to rise up. And I said, oh, not today. He is not doing that anymore. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to fix this. And so the next day. I was hiding behind a a corner and said, let me watch and see what this boy does. Lo and behold, as he is walking, he is throwing rocks at my sister. And then I jump up from behind the corner and you see the shock in his face. And I start pelting him with rocks and say, don't you ever hit my sister again. It was glorious. It was great. I had a good time. And The very next day as I went back to school, I was still basking in the glory of the moment. And then my teacher got a phone call and said, "Uh, Maurice, that's my real name. I know y'all call me Mo. Um, Maurice, you need to go to the office and grab your stuff. The principal wants to see you. And so I'm confused at what's happening. I grab my stuff, get to the principal's office, and the principal says, you are being suspended. You got to go home today. Because your sister came in this morning and said you were throwing rocks at her friend. Y'all. Y'all. Oh, it, it, it was messed up for real. Absolutely. I was so upset. I was so frustrated. And I left that office that day, my second grade self, with tears streaming down my face. And I said, I'm never going to speak to her again. Uh, needless to say dinner that night was a little bit awkward Uh, and although you know we're laughing and humorous about this moment some of you in this room today are dealing with really complex emotions when it comes to your families you have been in a place where you have been wounded and hurt by those you love you've been wounded and hurt by those who are closest to you You see, maybe it's not your immediate family, maybe it's your work family, maybe it's your church family, but at some point, this uh, family gathering, because of a family fight, uh, uh, a gathering that used to overflow with uh, joy and uh, celebration is now filled with tension, silence, and agitation. You are frustrated because the person who you love has hurt you. You are frustrated because you are in a conflict with somebody who is close to you. And you are not the only one to ever be in a place like this. The people in our text are in a family fight of epic proportion. They are frustrated with each other. They all each feel like they have been wounded by the other individuals and they feel like they are right and the other person is wrong and they are standing in their corners pointing fingers at everybody else. They are in the middle of a family fight. And you see for 
Some of us in this room, uh, Thanksgiving and all of these large family gatherings are reminders of tension within our families. But I believe this text gives us five things that we can glean and um, receive from that will help us move forward and help us navigate the difficulty of tension in relationships. Here's the first thing. Family fights are inevitable. They are going to happen. Listen, you hang around somebody long enough, they are going to get on your nerves. If you hang around yourself long enough, you're going to get on your own nerves. It's just a normal occurrence. It happens. Uh, Tension happens. Here's the uh, next line is that friction, conflict and friction are normal occurrences in any healthy relationship. Now, press pause here. While you're writing this, the operative word is occurrences. So don't go home and say, well, we fight every day. Pastor Mo said we healthy. We good. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) Occurrences means or insinuates that this is something that happens periodically and not consistently. Okay? Amen? Good. I just got to be clear because somebody's going to go home with the wrong information. That's not what I said. So... It it happens. Conflict and friction are normal occurrences in any healthy relationship. That's going to happen. You're going to be frustrated with people. People are going to get on your nerves. People are going to push your buttons. And you have to navigate those things. And, you know, wisdom tells us that sometimes we got to be wise in picking our battles. But many times... What we do is avoid fights. We, we walk away from them. We don't like conflict or we don't like confrontation because we have a wrong idea of confrontation. We have a wrong idea of how to handle those things. And here, here's what I want you to understand is that learning how to fight fair is more valuable than avoiding fights. Knowing the tools and how to fight fair is much more valuable than avoiding fights because when you avoid something, it becomes a bigger problem, not a smaller problem. What you ignore can become infected and become something bigger and more difficult to deal with. Here's one really simple example of how to fight fairly. Uh, y'all, many times it's not what you say, but how you say a thing that sparks fights. You know, you you can say, I don't think that's the smartest idea. Or you can say, that's just dumb. What are you doing? There is a difference between how you say and what you say. And here's what Proverbs 15 and 1 tells us. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. We got to be careful how we say a thing when we're trying to fight fair. We got to be careful how we are communicating with those that we love, communicating with those who are in our family. And, you know, the reality is there are only two ways to fight and is a healthy way and an unhealthy way. And there's a long list of things that are in the healthy column and a long list of things that are in the unhealthy column. But this is how I like to summarize healthy, uh, as my premarital coach told me, heated fellowship. This is how I like to summarize it, is that healthy fights lead to resolution and reconciliation, while unhealthy family fights lead to distrust and separation. And if we're honest, in the middle of it, these two kind of look the same. It's a little blurry. But the end result is really connected to motive. 
Healthy fights are looking to restore relationships, to reconcile relationships, to find resolutions to problems where unhealthy fights are just trying to get their way to hurt you as bad as they can, to sow seeds of distrust, to cause the divide between each other, to widen and to separate you more. Here's what Proverbs 17 says. He says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And here's a a little nugget here, is that healthy fights lead to forgiveness but unhealthy fights dwell on the offense. And so he's saying here, love prospers when there is forgiveness. But when we stay on where our offense has happened, it separates people. It causes people to be disjoined. It causes people to go their separate ways. And many of you in this room, as I'm talking, the Lord is bringing up people to your name. Your, your remembrance. You're thinking about individuals in your family, in your friend group, in your association, that there is tension and conflict. And God wants us to go about resolving these things in a healthy manner and not an unhealthy manner. Here's the second thing I think this text teaches us about uh, family fights or fights are inflamed by ungodly choices. When we make ungodly choices, it takes something that is small and it makes it much, much larger. And here's uh, the problem in the text because I know some of y'all were like, oh, no, she didn't invite Hagar in. That, that's really not the problem. That was a historical thing and that was the custom in that day. In fact, about 10 or 15 chapters later, God blesses Abram's grandson to have children in this manner. Here was the problem. The problem was that Sarai chose fear over faith. You see, God had promised them children, but she had been waiting in Cana for 10 years and it hadn't happened yet. So instead of waiting on the Lord, instead of trusting God, instead of walking in his path, she tried to put her hands on what God was working on. And can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, we have to be careful not to meddle in God's work We got to be careful not to uh, touch things and mess with things where God has not invited us to be a part of in meddling. God is working on that brother and sister in your life. God is working on that child. God is working on that grandparent. God is working in their lives. Your job is to be a conduit of God when you are invited in, not to manipulate God's purposes into happening. And so she chooses something other than what God's choice was for her. And here's the reality is that when we choose less than God's best for us, we invite the enemy uh, to have space in our lives. We give the enemy space in our lives. When we choose less than God's best for us, we give the enemy space in our lives. Give him room to operate. And the reality is... The troubles and the the tension that Sarai faced was never God's intention, but making an ungodly choice gave room to the enemy to work in her life. Here's what Ephesians 4 and 26 and 27 says. He's talking about anger. He says, uh, Paul is saying, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And here's 
the key part, and give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give him room in your life, in your relationships, in your family. Shut the door on the opportunities that he has to meddle in your life. Some of the frustration you're feeling in your family is because we have given room and access to the enemy in places of relationships in our life that he was never supposed to have access to. He was never invited to. But because we choose less than God's best, we give opportunity to him. And here's the, the, the second thing about this that I think is powerful is that when we make ungodly choices, they are a gateway for others in my family to make ungodly choices. Y'all, it's really hard for you to say, uh, kids, respect your mother when you're disrespecting your mo- their mother and vice versa. It's really hard to have others in your family live up to a standard that you are not living to yourself. And when we make ungodly choices, it becomes a gateway, an opportunity for others in our families to make ungodly choices. I want you to see this practically in the scripture. Watch how this happens in Genesis chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. It says, so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Cana, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham. She didn't have a choice. She made an ungodly uh, choice here. Her husband as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. B doesn't happen unless A happens first. Her ungodly choice gave a window or a gateway or opportunity for another member of her blended family, Hagar, to now make an ungodly choice. You know, Hagar is walking around and saying, you can't do what I'm able to do. I'm able to give him a child and you weren't able to do that. She's looking down on her and now Sarai is frustrated. Because she has given the enemy room in her life and it's causing havoc, it's causing tension, it's causing fights, it's causing frustration. But this is not the way God intended for our family lives to be. It's not the way he wanted our relationships with our families to be. And here's the thing that nobody in this text does. Here's the third thing I want you to see. It's that we have to recognize your role in the conflict. Everybody in this text is so busy blaming everybody else. Sarah is is looking at uh, Abraham like, this is your fault. You the one that did this. And I love what she says here because this is really like she's taking the moral high ground when she says, and let the Lord watch between me and you who's right or wrong. She's totally forgetting the fact that this was her idea. Hagar says, I'm the one who was able to get pregnant. I'm not dealing with you treating me this way. I'm just going to leave. I have options. I don't have to stay here. And Abraham's like, I don't even want to be in the middle of this. That's your problem. Y'all stay over there. But here's the thing. Everybody feels like they're all right. 
Everybody feels like they have been offended. And here's what happens. Their offense blinds them from their own responsibility in the conflict that has happened. And we've got to be careful not to let our offense blind us from what God is trying to do in our life. You see, because God is less concerned about what they've done to you than how you respond to what has been done to you. God is all about developing your character, developing who he has called you to be, raising your standard. And here's what we got to do. We got to understand that we each play a part in the friction that arises in our relationships. And yeah, I know sometimes your part may really be small. But we have to own our parts of the friction that happens in our relationships. We've got to be willing to admit to those things. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Before you blame anyone else, take responsibility. Acknowledge your part before you place blame on others. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I shouldn't have said it that way. I I could have said it a different way. I should have uh, approached you at a different time. I should have uh, handled that differently. Yeah, I was frustrated in the moment and I said some things that I didn't mean to say. Acknowledge your role in the conflict because God is trying to develop your character. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to deal with the wrong that has happened to you. He's aware of that. He's concerned about that. In fact, scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. He going to take care of that but we have a responsibility to who God is trying to make us into the character he is developing in us and we've got to acknowledge that here's really the main reason we need to acknowledge it Romans says it like this for all have sinned everyone has sinned we all fall short of God's glorious standard When you realize you fall short, you can take responsibility and be accountable for where you have gone wrong, for where you have missed the mark. Here's the fourth thing that I want to challenge you to do is I want to challenge you to resist the urge to run. Here's what we do many times in conflict. We live in a cancel culture. Really quick. There can be, uh, somebody could take a clip of this message, flip it and reverse it, and post it online, and I would be canceled immediately. They'd be saying, I... They should never be able to talk again. We live in a cancel culture. We are so quick to cut people off. This is what Hagar does in this moment. I don't like the way you're making me feel. And instead of confronting you, instead of acknowledging, I probably aided in this by uh, strutting around and showing you and looking down on you. I'm just going to run because I have other options. I have more convenient options. I can just leave. And many of us have quit on relationships too early. We have quit on family members. We have canceled connections that God has made in our life because it was easier than walking the difficult road of reconciliation. 
And if you are on the fence today, here is my challenge to you. I want you to press pause, not eject. I want you to press pause. It's okay to take a time out and say, you know what, this is really frustrating. Let's press pause. Let's not talk about this in this moment. Let's take a step back and really navigate this. But you got to stop pressing eject on relationships that God has placed in your life to put you on the path of purpose and destiny. Press pause. Take a breather. Take a time out. Don't end the game. And hear me, I'm not saying this is easy. Listen, I got family members who get on my nerves too. I get it. I, I, you know, I got a couple people blocked on Facebook and Instagram too. I get it. But scripture says we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That we are God's agents of restoration. And that's not easy work, that's hard work. So instead of pressing eject on relationships in our life, we need to press pause. The angel comes to Hagar and says, where are you going and where have you come from? He says, You need to chill for a minute. Think about this. What are you doing? Here's the fifth and final thing that I want to encourage you to do. When you're dealing with family fights, return and reconcile. Now, I know in some areas and some places, it is not safe to reconcile. And I'm not telling you to go back to an abusive relationship. I'm not telling you to go um, to something that will be harmful for your life. I'm telling you in the relationships where you have quit because it wasn't expedient and because it was convenient to take this exit ramp, that God has called us to return and reconcile. Return and reconcile. Here's the truth of the matter is that whenever possible, God desires families to be connected and together. Whenever it is Possible. This is his design. Before he ever made a church, he made families. And he desires for them to be connected and together. Look at what Colossians 3 and 13 says. He says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone. Not just who you like, not just who can do something for you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, here's the reason your forgiveness is not rooted in if that person is sorry or if that person is good or not. Your forgiveness is rooted in the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When I realize what God has forgiven me from, I'm able to forgive other people. And sometimes, y'all, if we we tell in the truth, if we in church, we can tell the truth. We hold people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. We are holding family members and relationships, we are holding them to a a standard that we don't even hold ourselves to. And if God can forgive you for what you have done, you can forgive others for the offense that they have done in your life. That's what he's calling us to, to a, a place of reconciliation. And here's the truth of the matter is that reconciling with our family is rarely convenient. But God has a purpose for it. 
It's not always convenient. It's not always easy being the bigger person. It's not always easy going forward first to take that step first. But God has a purpose for it. In Proverbs 17, he says, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in the time of need. Your family is in your life on purpose. Yes, that same one who you wish you could excommunicate and kick out. Yes, that same one that you left off the group tax. Yes, that one is in your family on purpose. It's true. And here's the reality. Hagar, and I hope y'all hear this if you don't hear anything else, that there are blessings being released and curses broken by your faithfulness to God's call on your life towards your family. There are things that God wants to release over your life, favor, anointing, blessings, opportunity, and there are curses that he wants to break off your family line by you being faithful to his call on your life towards your family. Look at Hagar. By her obedience, going back to submit, doing the wrong thing, reconnecting with her blended family, this is what the Lord does. He breaks the curse of servitude off her life. No one again in her family is a a servant or a slave. That curse is broken. Generations before her, they were servants, they were slaves. But when she was obedient to the call of God on her life towards her family, there was a curse broken. Here's the second thing, is that when she was obedient, there was a blessing released. There there was a nation birthed out of her. A multitude. Princes and leaders came from her lineage because she was obedient to the call of God on her life towards her family. And I'm telling you, in this room right now, God is trying to use you as a conduit to bring blessings and favors to your family. God is trying to use you to break curses, to break dysfunction, to break separation, to break the fights, to break those who are far from God and bring them back into the house of God. He's using you to open the windows of heaven so he can pour out blessings on his children. He's changing your family DNA and your identity, but you've got to be faithful to his call on your life towards them you can't affect them if you're not present in their life you can't make a difference in them if you're not in relationship with them so here's the two things I want to challenge you to do I I know this is an ouch rather than an amen but there's two things I want to challenge you to do the first is to fight fairly Choose to fight fairly. Choose not to hit below the belt. Choose to to speak kindly. Choose to submit humbly. Choose to acknowledge your wrong and where you have messed up. I'm going to fight fair. I'm going to choose to fight the right way. And here's the second thing. Is that I'm going to choose to love. Don't choose to love. Here's what First Peter says. He says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. God wants you to be the person that connects that family member back again. 
And I know you've been wounded and you've been hurt. The reality is we all have. I want, I want to challenge you to choose to fight fairly. But also to choose to love. To forgive. To reconcile. To restore the relationships. This is not something I know that comes easy. This is something I've lived out in my own life that is difficult. A few years ago, I had a family member that hurt me egregiously. I was wounded and I was hurt and I did what culture told me to do and I canceled them. I didn't talk to them for about two or three years. And all along, the Lord was pressing on my heart that you need to reconcile. You need to restore and I'm arguing back with God, but you didn't see, didn't you see what they did to me? I'm your child, God. How could you allow this to happen to me? The, the nights that I cried, the wound that I carried, God, why would you let this happen? And I'd love to sit here and tell you I, I was strong enough and I was, you know, the good Christian and I called that person and reconciled. I didn't. After a couple of years, they called me. And I said, and they said, hey, I would like to meet up with you. And we met up. And in that moment, I was saying, okay, God, I'm ready to forgive if they say this, this. And they admit all the places that they had hurt me. And they did all these things. And they weren't able to do that. But in that moment, Spirit of God pressed me and said, accept the apology that they are able to give and restore the relationship. In that moment, I forgave and I, 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 I processed through it. It was difficult. I walked that difficult and tension-filled road of reconciliation and restoration. But now today, that relationship is better than it's ever been. And I've seen God's hand move not only in my life, but in their life. I've seen opportunities. I've seen doors of favor and anointing. I've seen God do incredible things because we were able to do what he has called us to do. To live in peace, in harmony with each other. To restore the broken places. To be the repairer of the bridges. And I want to challenge you today. Here's the bottom line, y'all. Is that we honor God by choosing to fight for our families. We do this by fighting fairly and healthy. And I want to challenge you today. That name that keeps ringing in your head while I'm talking. The person that you feel impressed upon to call. I want to challenge you to make it right today. You may not even be in the wrong, but I want to challenge you to extend your hand and show them Jesus. Maybe you're in here today and you're hearing this talk about family fights and navigating these things. But the main fight you're wrestling with right now is whether or not to give your life to Jesus. I want to tell you that today is the best day to say yes to him. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship that will change your life. You don't got to be perfect. 
but God can do a lot with your yes. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word that has been declared. Thank you for the challenge that you have given us in regards to our family. And God, as we go into this season of Thanksgiving and family gatherings, I pray that a spirit of reconciliation would move among us. That you would begin to make hearts tender to your voice that says, repair the bridge, restore the relationship. And God, I pray for the person who has not restored a relationship with you. I pray that they would say yes to Jesus today. That they would pray this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. And God, right now, I pray for every person who is listening and every person in this room. I pray that you would release your favor on their lives, that as they reconcile, that as they pursue what you've called them to do within their family, that you would release your blessings, God. And even now, God, we cancel the curses of the enemy. We give no room to darkness. We push the darkness back, God. And we cancel the curse of dysfunction, the curse of separation, the curse of divorce. We cancel every attack of the enemy on marriages and families. And we speak your life and your words of health and restoration over them now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for the testimonies. We thank you for the joy and the elation that is coming. We thank you for the restoration that's coming. And we will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory because it belongs to you and every believer with the power of agreement. Say amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.